Welcome to this episode of Shoulder to Shoulder, where we strive to grow in love of the Lord and each other. Hello, Megan. Hi, Pam. (laughs) It's so good to be with you always, always. Well, today we're going to talk about a topic that May and I both really, um, we've really been on our hearts too, and kind of in different ways, but there seems to be a growing disunity within the Catholic Church between um, traditionals and Norvis Ordo, would you would you say that? How would you put it, Megan? You know, I think there's it's more than one camp, to be honest, and and I use that term intentionally because it seems like we people are separating themselves into camps. Um, I think with the things that have been happening at the level of Rome as it relates to like Traditione Custodis, um, that. And uh, what more recently came out um, that furthered that where there's this intentional sort of desire to decrease the expression of the Latin mass in the church. Um, Now, Pope Francis put that out there, as he explained, with the intention of increasing unity. He was his his understanding was that the people who were very much ordered towards the traditional Latin mass were creating disunity uh, so that he wanted to kind of suppress that. But the reality is, is for what I've seen is that it's done the exact opposite where now the people who are drawn to that feel they're kind of in a persecuted minority. So there's that area of the more sort of significantly traditionalist people who really don't want to go to any other mass other than the Latin mass. And, and maybe even in some parts of that community question, whether the mass that's more popularly celebrated uh, called the Novus Ordo by many um, is even valid, which obviously is a, that's a big point of difference from the church as a whole. And I I think it would be a disservice to say that everybody who loves attending the traditional Latin mass has that belief. I mean, that is not fair. I don't think that's true at all, but there are some who do. And those people, some of them are rather vocal on social media and things like that. So you get that situation. Then there's all on the other side, there's a real, liberal sort of group who feel that there's no problem with taking a lot of liberties with the order of the mass and, you know, the things that are laid out in the, you know, regularly celebrated Novus Ordo mass, they think nothing of, you know, changing things the way they want to and, you know, adding a whole bunch of stuff or eliminating things and all that sort of situation. So that's really more at the, you know, the level of what priests and bishops are allowing as far as the proper celebration as defined by the Roman Missal of what you're supposed to be doing in the Novus Ordo and whether or not people are okay with that or not. And then, you know, there's also the charismatics over here who have a much um, different understanding of what is the way they feel free to express the Catholic faith. And oftentimes the people in the charismatic setting are keep spaces for more spontaneous um, expressions of, of praise in within the liturgy. 
without kind of totally disintegrating the the order, uh, but this idea of what's allowed, what's not allowed, and all this sort of thing. Honestly, there's just a lot of confusion. And I think there's a lot of people who are really clinging to what resonates with them and saying this is the way it should be. And just a whole lot of not trying to understand each other. Yeah, for me personally, um, it's really done a number in my head. I mean, I'm talking about mind space earlier, but I, you know, you look at some of the traditional, um, one thing that's very obvious is some women choose to veil and some women don't. Mm -hmm. And we are different in that. I'm a veiler, you're a non-veiler. I'm a (laughs) non-veiler. and I don't know, why, why do you veil? I mean, why do you want to veil? But you, you see those kind of things and I'm thinking, mm-hmm. well, should I be doing this? Is this the right or better way? You know, and I have all these things through my head, but I really prayed about it. really thought, you know, Lord, is this something that you want for me? Is this something you desire for me? And and I truly just got crickets, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. So I never acted on anything like that. But the other thing that really got into my head was um, how women shouldn't be lectors. Because I previously have been a lector and really enjoy that. But mm-hmm. It's just, it's very, it's almost, it's very emotional for me to be able to stand in front of people and, and read the word of God. It's, it's, it's beautiful to me and um, very emotional and more times sometimes than others. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I heard, oh, you know, women really shouldn't be. That's just a, another extraordinary, but I like what you've been saying about um, if it's, permissible if it's allowed go on with that part what you were saying like yeah I think we actually didn't we were talking about that before the show started but my my thinking on these things because I've actually kind of run the gamut a little bit in the sense of when I first came into the church as a convert I found myself drawn more towards the traditional aspects of liturgy now where I was living at the time, there was not a Latin mass that was offered regularly, but I happened to have taken Latin all the way through college. So I loved the idea of Latin. I loved the unity that one gets when you're thinking about the liturgy being celebrated in the same language, no matter where in the world you are. That's super cool. Super cool. And the reality of how it resonates with history. I mean, these are these words are the words that were prayed by the saints of, you know, thousand years ago and, and everything. And so that really resonated with me. And I think also because I grew up in a very evangelical setting where it was very free form and there was no prescribed liturgy per se, there was something very neat and other and, you know, that drew me to like the more, you know, traditional ways of expression of the faith. But as I've, I'd say, come into a longer period of time of being Catholic and understanding that it's not just about what resonates with me. It's really about what the church in her wisdom has determined what she will proscribe and what she will permit. See, these are two different things. There's what you must do, what you can't do, and then there's what you have the freedom to allow, right? And so my understanding is, is has grown in this place of it's not just about what what I like and what feels good to me or what resonates. It's really about am I a daughter of the church 
who respects her authority and understands that that's not my call to make. Like, I think I was really prideful for a very long period of time where I really thought that I could discern what was best for not just me, but what should be for the whole church because it's what seemed right to me. And I think as I've grown as a Catholic, I've grown in this understanding of what am I answerable for to the Lord? And if he's established a a church and he has established an authority structure and she has said, this is permitted or this is not permitted, that's what I need to go by. And that's what I'll answer to the Lord for. And placing this burden on myself that's not mine to bear. Mm, like mm-hmm. it makes me think of the Lord when he says to the to the Pharisees, he's like, you place burdens on the people that you don't even live up to, right? Like, and so, but was I placing burdens on myself to discern what should be when the Lord had established a church where I didn't have to really make that decision and feel comfortable that he's guiding the church. And so that's where I came to this place of being more accepting of things that are maybe different expressions than what is maybe what I'm used to or what seems to resonate with me. But if the church allows it, being okay with that. And what it's done for me spiritually is... It's opened me up to enjoy a broader range of expression of of worship. I can see that. And so I guess that's the question I, I come to in these places of division within the church. What is our platform that we're arguing from? What's really in our hearts? as far as our understanding of the church and the authority structure that Christ has established and our understanding of ourselves and what's ours to determine and what's not. Right. So if I have someone in my family, that's a real traditionalist um, who oftentimes wants to argue about that's the right way and the only way. I mean, how would you, how would you say I approach that? Would it be more of a, well, it is permitted I mean, I don't know. I feel like there's a there's a there's a a kind rebuke in there somewhere if if he's shaming me for not being a traditionalist. Well, I guess the question is, so do you feel like the church is no longer guided by the Holy Spirit? Mm-hmm. It's a good question for him. I don't know what he would say. Well, I mean, it really speaks a lot to, you know, where the heart is at. I mean, I think people often think of Protestants as being more liberal than Catholics, but you can be a Protestant on the hyper-traditionalist side too, right? Hmm. What do you mean by that? Well, if you're saying that the church that is visible to us, you know, say the question of, okay, Pope Francis. Yeah. I mean, I've said on this show many times, there are things about the way he governs as Pope that I'm, I struggle with. 
you know, ways that I wish he would be more clear, wish he would be very upfront with supporting the faith as it's written in the catechism in a way that's, un, you know, just not going to compromise on certain things. And, and there's times where I feel he's very ambiguous, but the reality is, is that he's the Pope and I'm not. And so when he makes, when he writes something like Traditionis Custodis, I may disagree with his reasoning and I may disagree with the move that he made, but does he have the right to make it? He does. Right. Unless you decide, you know, I don't even think he's the Pope, which some people have. Well, at, at that point, if you either think the Pope doesn't have the right to make determinations that have been given as rights of the Pope, then you are saying that you have a better idea what the papacy is than what the church has said. Or if you're saying he's not even the Pope, well, everybody who's in the College of Cardinals has affirmed that they voted for him, who voted for, you know, like in Pope Benedict, you know, may he rest in peace. Mm -hmm. In every public way said, you know, I resigned of my own free will and in in the correct form, so he's the Pope. Well, if all of that is what it is, how can I then say in any sense of humility that I should believe different? Right? Right. So that's what I say. You can protest on a hyper-traditionalist side, too, of saying I'm not going to believe what the church believes. At least the church as I see it. That's visible to me. Now, is there some underbelly, like, you know, false church, this sort of thing? Maybe there is, but I don't have some, you know, knowledge that goes beyond what is, can be seen. And in a way, isn't that really just Gnosticism? This idea that there's, that you have some deeper knowledge that's not visible to everybody else and is only clear to some people. That's a heresy, the heresy heresy from very beginning. Right. So I don't want to get caught up in, in heresy. So I'm going to trust that the church is what she says it is and live in that and trust that Jesus is going to judge me on that. Right. And we can go ahead and enjoy our Norvis Ordo <laughs> to the fullest extent. <laughs> and enjoy a charismatic mass and enjoy, enjoy a Latin. traditional Latin that's mass. Right. Like, that's the thing. And what I would hope is that people from all the different, you know, kind of camps can maybe give each other the benefit of the doubt. You know, that... We aren't trying to be anything that we other than that we are fallen humanity who's just trying to seek God in the ways that we feel called and trying if you're if they're Catholic and ascribing to the teachings of the faith, you know, trying to be obedient to Mother Church. You know, now, if you see people saying things that are clearly contrary to the teachings of the Catholic faith, you know, you've got your, your people out there, your German bishops, you know, 
saying stuff that's like, oh, well, you know, the church got that wrong and we should change it. Well, that's a whole different story. And I don't think we need to be like, okay, well, let's just listen to that and, you know, you know, honor that as a different point of view. No, there's some things that are clear, have been decided. They're not a matter of discussion. And when somebody is putting themselves forward as being promoting ideas that are clearly contrary to the faith, well, they're the ones that have broken with the church, not right. me, right? And so we must defend the church's teachings and defend truth. Um, but for those who appear to have goodwill, appear to want to believe what the church has taught, you know, who doesn't struggle with what has been, you know, right. laid out as doctrine and dogma, okay, well, maybe we have some different flavors here, but can we not love each other in our differences? Right, Megan, one of the things that, um, you know, we, we have this topic of unity, and I want to just like make it really personal for, for each individual. If you're sitting in um, the pew in the Catholic Church, and you really want unity uh, when you see this disunity between traditionalists and Norvis Ordo, to really take to heart that that's disunity is not what Christ ever wanted, especially not within his church and to bear with patience and love of each other, these expressions, as you, you put so aptly that these are just different expressions and all are acceptable, um, under the church. Yeah. And I think that the discussion we had in the last episode about how to talk with Protestants about our differences is relevant here too. I mean, it is pretty much in human nature to kind of stick with your own, you know, get real clannish about things. So, you know, if we do that as Catholics, then we're never going to understand each other. But be willing to ask questions about, you know, why does that resonate with you? How do you experience the Lord in that setting? Can you share with me, uh, you know, how you came to that understanding? Or can I go to your mass with you that you would like to attend? And will you come with me? Like to be open to stepping outside of your comfort zone, to have discussions, to have new experiences. You know, you might find that there's beauty in things that still maybe are never going to be your thing. But you can realize, well, maybe it wasn't as lacking in goodness as I thought. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, for example, at Mass, I went to Palm Sunday Mass and the church was packed, totally packed, and which is awesome to see. And we're doing the entrance um processional hymn and it's you know all glory laud and honor honor to you redeemer king you know just it's beautiful and so there's the choir and then literally in this packed church it seemed like it was the choir and me and my son singing mm, really it was a full church and nobody was singing mm. in this beautiful triumphant hymn to praise and give hosannas to our King and Savior. And it made me sad. I was like, this is not 
what, what, what I wanted. <laughs> like I wanted to come in here and worship together and there's like crickets, you know, and then the way they chose to do the, the, the gospel reading, they didn't have the, um, uh, you know, the, us participate as the, um, I've seen that before. You know, too. they just had somebody as a reader and, mm-hmm. and that was it. And again, I, every, every time Palm Sunday comes around, I like love, hate it because I love the liturgy of Palm Sunday, but I hate saying crucify him. <laughs> like I hate it, but I force myself to do it. But there's this part of me that wants to do it because I need to remind myself that I can fall and I could deny the Lord and I should never take anything for granted. So to hear those words come out of my mouth is just, it's this conviction that I can right. never rest on my laurels, that I always need to be seeking his grace because I could deny him, you know? And so I was disappointed. And then during the Eucharist, you know, while, you know, the Eucharist was being distributed, the people in front of me, it was a row of a family, but they were all adults. And while the Eucharist was being distributed, they sat back in their seats and started having a significant conversation about, I don't know what, because they were actually speaking in Spanish, but I don't know what they're saying. But so to the point where I had to like, after I received communion, I had to kind of, you know, sit back, kind of half kneel sit because they were right there. And then they're talking and I'm trying to pray. And so just to say, there was a whole bunch of stuff that was going on that was not what I wanted. It was not the mass I wanted. Right. right. And I had a choice, like as I'm sitting there and I'm starting to, you know, get a little like agitated. What the heck? Why don't these people sing? They don't even understand the the reality of the Eucharist here. They're having a conversation. And why did the pastor make this choice? Like I felt that all rising in me. And I was like, Lord, you know what? It's just not always going to be what you, what I want. It's not always going to look how I want it to look. But guess what? Those people are here instead of sitting at home. And we read that gospel. We read the whole thing, not the short form. Yeah. So there's that, <laughs> right? And so to just focus on, I just received Jesus in the Eucharist. And I have that because there's a church that makes that happen for me. Can I not? Just be grateful instead of just wenching about all the things that didn't yeah, go right, right. From, in my mm-hmm. estimation, you know, and maybe not assume that people weren't singing because they don't have joy of the Lord in their heart. Maybe they just appreciate hearing the choir sing and that's what blessed them. You know, maybe those people in front of me were thinking, why is that chick singing so loud? Can she just not shut it so I could enjoy this choir, right? Maybe I was the thing that was challenging to them. Could be. So, yeah, to just come at it with this heart of gratitude that the Lord is present. You know, I think it was G.K. Chesterton that said, uh, sometimes the greatest blessing is a bad mass. I have not heard <laughs> because that. Because you it reminds you of what you're really there for. Is it oh, for your own enjoyment, your own feel good feels? Is there or is such it for thing Jesus as a bad mass? Eucharist? What does that mean? Well, that's the thing. Okay. <laughs> Meaning that if Christ is present in the Eucharist, 
There's no bad the mass. The greatest miracle on earth. Yeah, there's no bad mass. No bad mass. So it can be stinky homilies, but no bad mass. Yeah, and yeah, some distractions galore. Right. But are we united in that? That we are, we? are grateful to the Lord that gave us a church? That that a church that teaches even if that priest in his heart is in mortal sin and doesn't even believe what he's doing, if he's doing it in the way that the church prescribes, Christ is still present for us. Amen. So the arguments, the going into camps, the the suspicions of each other's beliefs and faithfulness and authenticity right. as Christians. <sighs> I'm, I'm going to quote the um, the mindset number two that we recorded earlier that says, it's very applicable when you're in a mass with so much distractions for this and that reason. Ruminating on the faults and defects of others is contrary to the gift of joy. And Amen. that can be it right there Perfect. Yeah. for our unity with people who don't express their Catholic faith the same as we do, but yet is still... Permitted and accepted. Absolutely. So I think we should be conscious of praying for, you know, healing of our divisions. And we do need good leadership. We are sheep and we Mm -hmm. have a tendency to go our own way, to wander and get lost and, you know, so to pray for good shepherds, to pray for courage among the bishops who know the truth and believe what the church teaches, but are struggling maybe to stand up to some elements within the hierarchy that are going astray. Like we should be praying for them regularly. And, you know, is maybe you're a person that's super frustrated with Pope Francis and really doesn't like the way he governs his Pope, but, you know, speaking ill of him and just being frustrated and annoyed and negative all the time, it's not going to help him. But, you know, prayers, you know, I pray for him every day and I specifically pray for the Pope's intentions that they will be in line with the Holy Spirit. That's all you need to do, right? And it's not for me to decide what it is the revelation of the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit is going to give to Pope Francis, right? As long as Pope Francis is acting in accord with the revelation of the Holy Spirit, that's all I need to worry about. And maybe the Holy Spirit's up to some stuff I don't understand. Because I'm pretty sure Holy Spirit knows a lot more about what's going on in his church than I do. Pretty sure. <laughs> pretty sure that's accurate. Right. Mm-hmm. And so just coming to that place of trust that the Lord knows what he's doing and he doesn't need me to tell him. Yeah. And just the over the overriding uh, default of unity, of really being loving and kind in those circumstances um, where there's differences of expression. Yeah. And trying to believe the best about each other, mm-hmm. you know, you know, not, not uh, 
sort of agreeing with things that are obviously false or contrary to the faith. Like we don't have to be tolerant of lies about the faith, but in our willingness to correct, we also aren't given a pass on love. Right. And to say, well, maybe the reason they've come to this understanding is because they've been lied to or they've, you know, didn't understand something or they're struggling with something that's so deep and painful that they're responding in a way that they're not free. You know, we don't know why somebody comes to something that they do. And so to just stay, stay in the, in the boat, you know, as long as we stay in the boat, the things that are clear, that are defined as doctrine and dogma, stay there and then love everybody else who's there in a way that is affirming and, and respectful. With patience and joy. Yeah. And, and don't isolate, like, don't just say, well, they're not my people, so I'm just going to stay away because then you're, you're really going to struggle to, to love well because you can't love well without understanding someone's where they're coming from, mm-hmm. you know. For sure. How we solve the problem? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we've actually put some salve on it. <laughs> yeah. To maybe. try and encourage um, all of our listeners to just have that uh, heart of togetherness and unity um, to love our neighbor as ourselves, as Christ commanded us. And especially in these trying times when things look a little whirlwind, out of whack kind of thing. Right. Yeah. You know, we talked about, you know, that verse that says you'll know them by their fruit. You know, in the last episode, we were talking about all the splintering of the Protestant denominations. And, you know, we have to take that to heart as well in the Catholic Church. You know, you'll know us by our fruit. And if we're bickering and we're detracting each other and we're not believing good things about our brothers and sisters within the church, how is anyone going to look at us and think, yeah, that seems like the fullness of truth right Right. there. You know, it it really does compromise our witness. And if our desire is to spread the gospel, we need to live the gospel in our own family before we can go out and preach it. Yes. And joy is the net in which we catch souls. Amen. Mother Teresa. Amen. Yeah. Preach it, Mother Teresa. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, may she pray for us, and we'll be praying for you. We hope you remain united with us in prayer, and we thank you so much for joining us today. God bless. God bless. God bless.